Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. And the top story today, defined contribution plan sponsors continue their interest and growth in real estate in their retirement plans. Today's show is powered by the Defined Contribution Real Estate Council. To learn more about DCREC, its mission, its members, and to see its latest research, visit www.dcrec.org. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more is Yanni Eventer. She's with JP Morgan Asset Management. She's also a member of DCREC. Yanni, so great to see you. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be here. Well, it's always great to have the Defined Contribution Real Estate Council uh, as a part of BRN. And today we're talking about some survey results that you all have. You you all continue to uh, really ask plan sponsors of defined contribution plans a lot of very informative information that's coming from the survey. What are the top line keys that you're finding in the research that you're presenting? So I w- what we're seeing is that diversification has become key in the market that we're in today. And investors are looking beyond the traditional stock and bond portfolios for tools to navigate really a market characterized by increased volatility, slowing growth and significant inflationary pressures, all presenting risk for successful retirement outcomes. And as a result, DC investors are recognizing the benefits of including public and private real estate in retirement plans, and the market is demonstrating momentum and growth. And, and so when you, you look at the inclusion of alternatives, of, of which real estate is a part of that broad category, uh, are there certain types of plans, defined contribution plans, or are they larger plans? Are they just 401k plans? Who, who is typically incorporating real estate as an asset allocation in their plan? If we look over the last, I would say, 17 years, the growth has been focused on the institutional plans. And that has truly ranged corporate plans, public plans, other, but plans that are managing multi-asset portfolios, and they're including an allocation to private and public real estate in these portfolios with the goal of strengthening their outcomes. And, and in terms of, uh, you mentioned in your opening, uh, I don't want to call it a statement, but in your opening uh, response, you were talking about retirement outcomes. Is this really now driving plan sponsors? So, so they're looking at their effectiveness of their plan? And could their plan be more effective with an asset allocation to alternatives like real estate? If you look at target date funds today, target date funds that include an exposure to private and public real estate actually are demonstrating stronger returns and stronger retirement balances compared to target date funds that do not include real estate. And if you think about the market environment that we're in, as we're moving to the potential of a recession and the risks that that presents, it's likely that those target date funds that include the stabilizing, diversifying benefits of private real estate will continue to benefit their participants' outcomes through a correction and as you move into the growth cycle afterwards. And and Yanni, there are a lot of, you know, just to put put some context out there, there are a lot of defined benefit plans already today that have an asset allocation to public and private real estate as part of their alternatives allocation. Um, And so this is, I guess, the democratization, making this available for all participants in the DC plan and and really doing that through either a managed account, 
through a target date fund or a balance fund that incorporates an allocation to alts. That is true. And actually, if you look at the survey results, the 2022 survey reported that 79 billion was invested in DC private real estate. And even though that represents just under 5% of the broader private real estate market, it represents a small but growing allocation to the asset class. On the other side of that, that's not invested in the 5% is defined benefit. But what's important to consider is the shift today from defined benefit to defined contribution, where defined contribution plans have become the foundation of retirement security for the majority of US employees largely replacing defined benefit plans and shifting much of the investment decision-making and risk-taking to the participant. So it's imperative that DC plan sponsors offer well-diversified solutions that include private real estate that can support stronger outcomes across all market cycles. And we're going to talk about the SECURE Act and some of the new regs, but but what, what might be, if someone's thinking about adding alts, you know, we've all sat in those committee meetings talking to trustees, there's a lot on their plate, uh, add to that retirement outcomes. Um, are there some things that these individuals who are, have a fiduciary responsibility should be thinking about when it comes to adding real estate? Well, let's talk about due diligence. What kind of due diligence should they be doing? Today, there is a range of DC real estate solutions in the market, and it's up to the plan sponsor to define the benefits and the liquidity that they need within their plan and the way that they operate. Also the fees that they're willing to pay to access these benefits. And I think first and foremost, it's defining what they need and then recognizing that the benefits that best address DC plan needs are solved by an allocation predominantly to private real estate with a smaller allocation to REITs. And it is their decision whether they would like to access that in one vehicle that includes public and private real estate, if you look at the growth in those types of vehicles today, the number of vehicles on the market has doubled over the last 10 years, or plan sponsors can access those benefits directly by holding private real estate and REITs separately, and the rebalancing and the liquidity will be up to them. At the end of the day, liquidity remains critical. And I think that is especially highlighted in 2020, if we look at the market, and in 2022, with real estate strong outperformance in a broader market, broader market environment that remains volatile. And real estate managers need to be able to satisfy investor liquidity needs and deliver the benefits of private market real estate. And, and it's that liquidity. There are a couple of hurdles early on with the inclusion of alternatives like private and, and pub, or private direct real estate, and that was liquidity. That's all been solved from an operational point of view. Record keepers, custodians, they can all handle the liquidity because there's daily liquidity needs of DC plans. So that is not really a, um, a barrier to entry right now. It is no longer a barrier to entry, and the market has demonstrated that it can satisfy and deliver and address investors' liquidity needs during all environments. If you look at the funds today, the DC real estate funds, the average allocation to public market securities is around 11.5%. But it's not just the liquid part of that real estate allocation that's important. It's also the guidelines around the daily, weekly, quarterly liquidity 
which ranges, if you look at the survey, 5 to 30%. And the continued growth of the market is also a testament to the evolution and that managers have structured the products to solve for investors' liquidity needs. Uh, Yanni, last question before I go to a commercial break. And, and we, we had earlier on, uh, towards, towards the middle of uh, 2022, Marco Mers of the University of California talking about their inclusion of alternatives and private real estate. There really are a lot of success stories, I guess is my point. So if you're a trustee, a fiduciary, you can actually look at what another plan is doing, what another sponsor is doing, whether it's a 403B, whether it's a 401k or a governmental 457 plan. I agree with that. I think there's many examples of how different investors include real estate. There's different options and it serves as an educational tool for those investors looking to enter the market because the benefits have also demonstrated within funds today and will continue going forward. Well, Yanni, as I said, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll have more with Yanni, and we'll be joined by Kevin Walsh of Groom Law Group. We'll be talking about the SECURE Act and a lot more. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repair for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. 
I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report, so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit Repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. A reminder that today's show is powered by the Defined Contribution Real Estate Council. To learn more about the DCREC, its mission, its members, and to see its latest research, visit www.dcrec.org. And we're joined this morning by Yanni Aventer of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. And we're also joined this morning by one half of the Legal Eagles, Kevin Walsh of Groom Law Group. Yanni, thanks so much for staying with us. And Kevin, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for being us. And Kevin, I, I, I don't want to give you short shrift. I'll come to you in a second. Yanni, I, I should have done this in the first segment. My apologies for not doing so. The Defined Contribution Real Estate Council, which is a big partner of the Broadcast Retirement Network, celebrating its 10th anniversary. Want to talk a little bit about the importance of DCREC? So DCREC was launched in 2012, and we really focus on bringing those benefits that defined benefit plans have access through the inclusion of private real estate to defined contribution plans to support stronger outcomes. It's an organization of investors, consultants, investment managers, third-party providers, and our goal is to educate the market. To celebrate our 10-year anniversary, we have launched a 2022 survey with Nareem and Ferguson to provide insight into this real estate market growth and the real estate solutions that are available today. Thank you, Yanni. And, and Kevin, welcome back to the program. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. Um, let's talk about the SECURE Act because we have talked about this throughout 2022. It's now 2023. It's, it's a reality. And I guess I want to ask you, what does the SECURE Act mean in general? And what does it mean for alternative investments like private real estate, public real estate in D.C. plants? So yeah, it's a great topic to talk about in 2023 because basically 2019 to 2022 was a time of pushing for retirement legislation in the hope that we could expand access and the hope that we could boost people's retirement savings and the hope that we could boost their access to portfolio diversifying products. When we look at SECURE, it really provides you know breakthroughs on a number of fronts. So first off, it increases access pretty dramatically because it's going to have a an essentially a, a retirement plan um, employer contribution mandate. So you're going to see people making more contributions to plans. Uh, second, it's going to allow people to save more money in plans, leave money in plans longer. It does that in two ways. First, it pushes back the age that folks have to take RMDs. And it does this gradually so that, you know, 10 years from now, RMDs will begin at age 75. So people will be forced to take money out of plans later. Um, also, it does some interesting things to increase the amount that folks have in plans. So one issue that folks have had is that student loans uh, can often take away from the money that folks can save for retirement. Well, you know, under SECURE, uh, employers are allowed to take student loans into account and then make matching contributions to the 401k based on the student loan contribution. Uh, and then finally, it increases catch-up contributions for individuals. So if you're an individual who's 50 or over, um, the retirement system allows you to put away more money than someone's younger with the thought being that with less time to compound, that you know, it affords you an opportunity to save more money. So it, it, it does a fair amount in terms of getting people access to plans. Also, it does a fair amount in terms of allowing people to save more in plans. Um, on the investment front, 
you know, the, the key focus with it has been with collective investment trusts and the change that it makes there. And, you know, there we've got a less compelling story where, you know, it, it only does part of the job. Um, now with collective investment trusts, which are, they're, you know, mutual fund adjacent, they look a whole lot like mutual funds, they operate like mutual funds. Um, on the other hand, uh, they can be slightly easier from a design comp, from a design standpoint, slightly easier from a compliance standpoint. And from the alternative standpoint, it can actually be easier to incorporate alternatives sometimes into a collective investment trust than in a mutual fund. So with Secure, there was a push to make it easier for educational plans, for governmental plans. So for 403B plans, just to be the, the wonky terms, um, to be able to use uh, collective investment trusts. And on the tax side, the change was made. On the security side, the change was not made. So it leaves us kind of an incomplete point uh, with respect to investments. But on the whole, Secure is a, a relatively good story uh, with respect to giving Americans an opportunity to save more for retirement and access more diversifying products. Um, because you know, if folks are able to save more, if folks are able to leave money in longer, then investments in the long-term life horizon like real estate, uh, they may provide a more, it may be a more compelling argument. Yeah, and, and thanks for that, Kevin. Ian, I want to come back to you, and, and I know you're not a legal scholar like our friend Mr. Kevin Walsh, but I want to get just your reaction um, to what he just said, uh, the SECURE Act. And then you talked about in the first segment the importance about retirement outcomes. That is all the focus, and that's why investments like private real estate really have a, a, a role to play, I would say, in helping achieve financial wellness and security. I definitely agree that there's a lot of potential and number of positives because it's focusing the industry on a longer term view, including real estate as part of a long term strategic allocation. And improving outcomes does not just mean higher returns. It also means getting more participants over your goal line with stronger balances. And by including private market characteristics, whether it's private real estate or another alternative, that's what we're looking to strengthen. Getting more participants over the finish line with stronger balances. Yeah, really good, really good point. And, and, and Kevin, I just want to come back. Just secure, it, it, it was passed. Uh, I should have asked at the beginning but of the segment, but it was passed in, at the end of 2022. Um, there's a lot of great work that went into it, but typically what happens with a lot of the uh, th there has to be a, some technical corrections and things that have to happen along the way. Could one of those issues be the CIT construction that you were talking about earlier? I think the CIT construction issue is going to be a, a focal point in 2023. I think in some other ways, 2023 is, is we're unlikely to see broad retirement legislation. You know, it took a number of years to put Secure 2.0 together. So Congress probably wants to breathe a little bit. <laughs> but it is odd that they did the tax fix for CITs without doing the securities fix. So I, I think there is some likelihood that we see movement on that front, in particular as part of maybe a technical correction package or as some other you know, small package designed to clean up some of the things that were left undone in Secure 2.0. Yeah, well, hopefully that's the, I, I'm a big pro proponent of CITs and parity. And I think that uh, to Yanni's point, I think that and your point, I think that gives things like direct real estate, greater opportunity for plan sponsors. Kevin, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the regulatory front. And, and I, uh, we've got a new Congress, um, a different party than the, than the White House and the Senate. Um, but I want to ask you first about the regs. The, the, our friends at the Department of Labor, Internal Revenue Service, 
other regulatory bodies have done a lot of work over 2022 and even before that. What about how this relates to private real estate, public real estate, and DC plans? Is there anything we should be on the lookout for in terms of regs? So I think there's a couple things we should be on the lookout for. And first, I want to point out that both the Trump administration and then the Biden administration have already spoken a little bit about including alternatives inside 401k plans. And that provides kind of a, a nice resting point, because if you have had a Republican administration and a Democrat administration both say relatively similar things, um, you know, it, it may provide a more stable footing point uh, for you know, leaving the regulations where they are. Uh, that being said, there are some opportunities for change in 2023. First, we've got Secure 2.0, which, you know, while not focused on alts, uh, does direct the agency to do lots and lots of guidance. And anytime an agency is doing guidance, there's some opportunity in preambles to, you know, make tweaks otherwhere, in other places. The second real reg to be looking out for this year is last fall, there was a regulation that the Department of Labor proposed that related to what really large asset managers have to do uh, in general to manage ERISA assets in compliance with the prohibited transaction rules. So to use the wonky term, uh, there's this, this thing called a QPAM, uh, which is a qualified plan asset manager. And in general, big asset managers want to serve as QPAMs because it, it makes compliance with some of the prohibited transaction rules easier. And the Department of Labor did a proposal last fall that would you know, tweak those rules in some ways that, that may make it tougher for asset managers. Uh, we're going to have to see how that rule's changed. We expect to see a final rule sometime this spring. The last thing to look out for this year really is that the Department of Labor is hinting once again, they might do fiduciary, um, which is, you know, who's a fiduciary? When are you a fiduciary? And if you are a fiduciary, what does that mean? Um, you know, this was a, a, a big battle on all fronts in 2015, 2016. Uh, it led to lots and lots of litigation. So I, I think we're going to have to wait and see if that has an impact on any of this. But uh, on the alt-specific front, on the private real estate-specific front, we're seeing private real estate gradually be included in retirement plans. So a stable regulatory landscape could be the best case scenario for 2023. Kevin, I want to ask you, and then I'll go to Yanni to kind of wrap it up, but I want to ask you about ESG. Um, where does that stand on the regulatory front? Because I think we did get some guidance uh, from Department of Labor. Um, where does that stand? I know there's been a little bit of pushback uh, in 2022 on ESG, but how about those rules? Or is there any jeopardy of that maybe being challenged by the new Congress? Well, so the Department of Labor finalized an ESG rule last year, and Republicans have signaled some opposition to the Biden ESG rule. And what we've seen is we've seen mainly red state governors in Texas and Florida signal that they, you know, are not being friendly to asset managers who incorporate ESG. Um, at the moment, there's it's unlikely that Congress will be able to do anything uh, about the Biden rule because you know really if you're going to do anything, you need to have both chambers and have the president sign something. And it, it it's fairly unlikely that the Democratic Senate would move on. Um, anti-ESG legislation, and it's even more unlikely that the Biden administration, the President Biden, would sign legislation overturning his own rule. Um, that being said, you know, ESG is one of those areas where uh, if there are changes in control or as there are changes in control over time, I think we can expect that the rules will continue to evolve. Yeah, thanks for that, Kevin. Yanni, just to kind of close out the, the conversation about ESG, um, in addition to the inclusion in DC plans, many DC plans are looking 
at or of real estate. Many DC plans are looking at ESG options. There's a lot of ESG and sustainable sustainability that goes into a lot of these real estate deals when you're building a building that or, or the organizations that are building the building when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. So this is this is a kind of a way to kill two birds with one stone, so to speak, is that you can have real estate, but also be ESG friendly. I think that's a very good point. And if you look across the real estate managers and alternative managers, ESG and the approach and the philosophy that goes alongside it is truly implemented across platforms and across companies. It's not only siloed to specific assets. These have been policies that have been implemented for years and it's benchmarked in the industry. So investors can access both benefits by investing in private real estate and other worlds. Well, it, it certainly is a great report that we talked about. I want to thank both of you so much for your analysis about the SECURE Act regulations and, of course, the DCREC research. Yanni, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks for having us. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, we'll visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare, and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom, and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and, and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. 
The Tax Relief Line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free.